Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavors, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, but also getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. You can find the link to our playlist in the show notes for today's episode. I'm your host, Simon Fink, and welcome to episode five. Our guests today are Bo and Casey from This Week in the Universe. They've recently released their new single, Light Years, and have a new EP coming out early 2021. In our episode today, we spoke to the brothers about jazz music and its involvement when composing electro music, their musical upbringing, and working with artists like Rule and Daniel Johns. Here we go. Our guests today are an electronic joy from Sydney, Australia. They're both well-respected musicians in the industry, with some of their titles including producer, composer, session musician, band leader and songwriter. They've worked with artists such as Daniel Johns, Rule and Vera Blue. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Bo and Casey Golden from This Week in the Universe. Hi guys, how are you going? Hey Simon. Hey Simon. Good, good. Thanks for having us. Of course. Thank you very much for joining us today. Now, before we get to the new single, I'd like to ask how you guys got your start in music. Was it something that you got from your family uh, and were your parents musical? Yeah, definitely. Like our... um Mum's family is super musical, like her dad and uncle were both, actually and grandparents were all professional musicians, jazz people, jazz musicians, jazz people. <laughs> um, and then her, both her brothers were also musicians. So our parents aren't actually, but there's a lot of music around in the family. Yeah, yeah we were kind of forced uh, into yeah. playing piano as little kids um, just because it was like, you know, a cool educational thing to do um, from their perspective and that kind of just became the further we got along and we kind of started enjoying playing music more so than the classical stuff that we started with um just kind of fell into it that way i guess and because our family were into it we um i guess didn't find it as we just kind of found like a natural progression yeah it was kind of just always you just did it you know we didn't really have i mean say, i say we didn't have a choice i don't mean it in like a horrible like way <laughs> it just was just around that we did <laughs> you weren't forced to play the piano all day every day Exactly, yeah. Now, you're both quite well-respected uh, in, in your respective fields. Casey, I know that um, you're, sorry, quite well-known in the jazz world um, and Bo quite um, well-known in popular music as well. Was there ever a point when you were growing up that it kind of, um, I know you said you both got to start in classical, but where you thought you'd kind of both end up in jazz or both end up in pop, or did that ever cross over? Yeah, I mean, I think, like, I grew up... Um, playing jazz as well and I, I studied jazz at uni and I still love jazz as well but I think um, I think just in terms of production I, I was starting to get interested in production and, and those elements of music and I found that part of music more exciting which is maybe leaning towards the more um, 
the more kind of pop realm than, than jazz stuff um, for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like it was a bit weird really. Cause um, you know, our fan, like our uncles and grandparents or grandfather and, and great uncle were all jazz musicians. Um, and our, my, like our mom is heaps into classical and jazz more than, more than any other genre. So we weren't super, like we were, it's not like we were kept from it, but we were very exposed to jazz and classical as kids um, and not so much pop. So there wasn't really much of a um, thought, I don't think, at least for me when I was a kid, didn't even consider it that like, oh, maybe I'll be doing pop or rock gigs or something. Um, and, yeah, then you kind of just get into music because you do just, you know, you discover all this stuff. And, um, and yeah, so I guess if that answers Yeah, I, I kind of like... <laughs> I guess like, I kind of discovered soul music. I discovered soul music in high school, like Otis Redding, and um, all through the Blues Brothers, actually. It was like Otis Redding and James Brown and uh, Aretha Franklin, all that kind of stuff. And then from that, it was kind of a progression from that into kind of like more modern soul stuff like uh, Stevie Wonder. And then from that, became kind of more in the popular music realm, I guess, for me. I was going to say with This Week in the Universe, it does seem to combine quite a few of the genres that you just mentioned. Uh, there are definitely some jazz elements to the arrangements on the songs. When did you guys originally get together and go, we should um, we should write this together and, and start an electro band? Yeah, um, it was interesting. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Casey sent me, uh, it would have been 2016, Casey sent me this, um, this thing he wrote and he's like, I think this is really cool. What do you think? I don't think it's really appropriate for my um, jazz trio. You know, do you want to do something with it? And I, just, I thought it was really cool. I was like, this is awesome. And I just kind of mucked around. I had my studio set up at home and I recorded a bunch of stuff and programmed some drums and did some, did some kind of production stuff on it, sent it back to Casey. And you were like, oh, this is cool. And then you sent me another thing and I did the kind of same thing. And then we got together and it was kind of an accident in that respect where um, just some ideas you had that were kind of left of center. And ideas I had really no avenue to put them out at that point in time, we kind of found uh, we kind of found this cool electronic kind of mix of almost like prog rock and jazz and like pop and R and B mashed together. I guess that's kind of how I kind of saw yeah. the beginning stuff. No, it's definitely that, and then also like we're both we both like um, since like we're both right into that and have been for ages, like since we were teenagers, really. And never, I mean, you use it on gigs and just, you know, muck around and it comes up, but never had like a, an avenue to, to really just like have fun with it and just mess around with them. So we did, and that's, that was another big part, I think, because we would hang out and just play with synths all day. Um, <laughs> we were working on this music and it was, it was, it's kind of like, that was a really inspiring thing too, I think, that, um, that kind of, you know, helped the project along. Definitely. The music itself from the band does um, have almost like a theatrical bent to it in terms of like some of the things and the, the arrangements. And I know that you guys do cite 80s movies as a bit of an influence as well for the band. Have you guys ever thought about uh, scoring um, for a film? Or Yeah, absolutely. Um, that, that's definitely something we talk about all the time or scoring like a video game or um or something like that. I think at the moment where we've been so um, focused on this new EP, working on it since well, kind of late 2018, um, two tracks are coming, which you've heard, obviously. I'm not sure. We're still not sure if they'll be on the EP or what the EP will really be because we've got so much material we've, we've been finishing this year. Um, but so focused on that. I think when we finish that, um, that would be definitely, definitely something we kind of maybe uh, look towards for sure. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. 
I was going to ask about the the new singles in the sense of the release format, only because you guys released an album last year and then you've got two new songs this year. Was uh, was the plan always to release new music this year or was it kind of uh, forced by the pandemic or is it just that you guys have, uh, as you said, quite a wealth of songs? Yeah, it was weird because um, we were in March, uh, we were in LA in March uh, working on this EP and we always plan, like, from 2019, we're going to go to LA, we're going to finish the EP, we'll collaborate with some people we had sorted out over there, um, and then we'll do, like, a bunch of live shows. We'll release single, next single, live show here, live show there, do a bit of touring, and then the EP. But obviously that kind of all went a bit um, a bit uh, to the wayside with the pandemic. So it was more so we were just like, oh, we want to get this stuff out. We're so excited about it. Um, but also want to keep the EP um, just, I guess, the luxury of having 2020 being like it is, um, we've had time to kind of go over and just, I guess, finesse the, to the point where, you know, some would say insanity, um, yeah. the way, but it's been good. <laughs> it's been really good, um, in terms of that, cause the detail we like to kind of spend the production. We don't really like to really skimp on anything and feel like we could have done better. So that's been a good part of it. But I think that, um, we really wanted to have live shows as part of the release of the EP and hopefully that's something we can do, uh, 2021, uh, when it comes out. Yeah, we had, cause yeah, we like, like both said, we have a bunch of stuff and, and the EP that's almost finished. So like the plan was to have a bunch of singles and the EP out probably like around now really, but the pandemic kind of put us, put that on hold and messed up a bunch of other things. We didn't mess up, it just put on hold. Um, but like, you know, in, in that happening, we kind of had more time like both said, but then also managed to hook up a few things that will hopefully come to light um, on future releases, which wouldn't have happened without the pandemic. So the, mm. the plans have changed just for, for kind of a few different reasons, you know, but all, all positive really from this yeah. point, I think. Of course. Now you guys were no strangers to recording remotely before this. I think um, when recording the last record and, and these singles, Casey, you were living in London. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys found that the pandemic has brought a lot more people to the table in terms of remote recording? Yeah, I, I think so. We um we found it quite hard working remotely um, when Casey's in London, just because um, the time difference and the way we work together. You know, we'd write these really long emails back to each other with like 30, 40 plus tweaks every day, and it'd just be really punishing. Um, but now, like you said, like I think everyone's kind of in that in the same boat with um with having to kind of think differently about how to make music. So we've got some cool guests we wouldn't have had, um, one based in the UK, one based in uh, the US. Uh, that was actually surprisingly smooth working with, and it was a great, great result. And we were super excited with how easy and musical it was when we did it. So that was really nice versus thinking, oh, it's going to be hard and having to go back and forth and a thousand emails and, and Zoom calls and everything. But uh, that's been really nice. It's been good. I think everyone's kind of just prepared because they can't tour to do stuff like that. Yeah. I feel like artists kind of are settling in more now and, and realizing that this might be a bit more long-term in terms of recording remotely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. With the new single light years, you've collaborated with the artist golds whose uh, vocals feature on the track. How did this come about? How did you guys get in touch? Yeah, so Golds, uh, I'm actually married to Golds, uh, my, my wife, Marley. <laughs> so that, in terms of like, convincing her to do it, it wasn't too hard. 
But uh, Golds uh, was a project that she started um, maybe a year and a half ago and put out an EP on Spotify uh, and everywhere else, um, which is which is really cool. I'm super proud of it. We, we wrote it together and I produced it with her. Um, and that was a funny song because we actually wrote with another artist, um, which was which will be on the EP next year. Uh, and it was an awesome experience. And we're talking, we, we spoke to them like, we should do another track. This would be great. Started writing this um, kind of powerful, Casey suggested this kind of powerful, like slow. Um, yeah, like like a power ballad, that's, but not not um, with the connotations that come with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we started, started writing this really kind of big, big kind of, uh, you know, synth heavy kind of thing uh, in like a late afternoon. And as we were doing it, Amali just walked past the studio and like opened the door, like, what's that? I want that. And uh, we thought, yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> can't say no. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> and yeah, so she, uh, she, she just, I think, brought this amazing, like, beautiful, powerful sadness to it, which is kind of evident in her music as well. But um, especially on this track, I think because of the tempo, you don't often hear. Um, singles like a slow kind of tempo singles uh, these days, which we thought was a kind of a, a bit of a wild choice as well. Um, but yeah, she she was awesome, and it was the chorus production and, and the way we did it affected her vocal. That was kind of a, a organic thing as well, where we were sitting, all of us sitting in the studio, kind of thinking what would be kind of a left of center chorus approach, and that's what we kind of came to. Yeah, yeah, it all happened pretty um, pretty quickly actually. This track for us. So, yeah. Um, when you guys are recording tracks, I know you said you've been working on some of the songs um, for a little while. Usually, and I know each one is always different, but uh, with how intricate your songs are in the production, how long do you usually find it takes from start to finish product for, for, for a song? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, um, like, Light Years was, um, was quite a, f- a quick process, Um comparatively to other stuff we've got in this new new release next year. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it always takes a like yeah, it takes a long time. I think this light years we it was almost finished really quickly like within like probably about 2 weeks or something. But then the last, you know, 5% or, or whatever you want to call it probably took like another what, 2 months, 3 months, something like that. Yeah. Just like we weren't like working intently on it, but it's kind of coming back to it every so often and, and thinking about it and recording bits and pieces and and um, and we took spent ages mixing that one too, but um, but yeah, like I feel like we always want to kind of just like I like the idea of doing something and then just not just putting it aside and then coming back a while later and deciding if you still think it's good. Um, and that kind of happens naturally with this because they're both um, pretty crazy about you know attention to detail. Yeah, yeah. There's some tracks on um, one of the tracks particularly on the EP. Um, we wrote kind of August 2018 it would have been and it went through probably three or four different verses, three or four different choruses. Um, the artist we collaborated with is amazing and um, he was super um, attention to detail focus as well. So it kind of came like we could have really had three or four songs out of that one writing session or two writing sessions we did for it and then production-wise – um, there was, you know, nine, nine mixed revisions, 10 mixed revisions before we kind of finished it. Yeah. It's a relief when we finished. It's a relief. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With both of you having your respective side projects as well, did you ever find yourself, um, writing or composing a lyric or melody and, and think that it 
oh, this could be repurposed for the band or you thought, no, 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 I'll, I'll keep that for my own side project? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, not so much. I mean, I don't know, like I tend to write stuff in um, like I'll write a bunch of stuff over like a month or something and I'll be have like a terrible time. I don't <laughs> I mean, it's it's good to get the result, but I'm like get really obsessive when I'm doing it. So I kind of have to do it and then just not write for a while. Like have still work on the music, of course, but but kind of have the basic, you know, form or harmony or whatever down. Um, so I'll kind of write heaps of stuff almost without judgment and then be like, oh, this would be cool for that, this would be cool for that, maybe this isn't very good, you know, and kind of think of it that way. Um, so, yeah, I guess it, I, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I definitely like to say I definitely um, – we definitely have more material than we need whenever we write something and we often have to go back through like hundreds and hundreds of tracks of, of production we've gone through to be like, oh, yeah, that was awesome. I love that idea. However, it's not really the best choice for this song or it clashes with the vocal or it doesn't make the chorus as big as we want and kind of filter it that way versus not having enough ideas. So I think, um, yeah, I like to kind of I like to kind of put everything into every kind of song and work backwards, if that makes sense. Yeah, and it kind of it sort of flows naturally. Like we probably have at the moment, like we've got a bunch of finished stuff that hasn't been released yet, but also – stuff we're working on, there's probably about probably about 12 songs, but then we're only really close. We're kind of like intensely working on like maybe four of them. And the other ones just we kind of, we've got kind of there, but we haven't worked on them for a while. And we're just kind of like, we've got to finish these ones and those ones will kind of naturally fall into place. It's, it's just, that's, it's kind of just how it's gone the last couple of years, which is, which has worked, worked well. So, um, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of material. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Are you guys looking forward to when you can take some of that material on the road and start playing live shows again? Oh, yeah. We had, we absolutely had, um, we had a great plan in our heads and before this all happened about having to do it. And we had the whole setup and quite an elaborate, like, setup of a live show with uh, multiple keyboards and all MIDI synced and, and doing it in a cool way, I think, like, I think I said it, uh, I was saying to you the other day, like, doing it in a way that's um, still in the, like, indie electronic world um, and sonically as big as possible, um, but also as live as possible. Like, when you see the show, you're not just seeing, like, the, you know, press play, here's a track show, like, a lot of pop artists out there now. Um, you're seeing a show that's very much, like, unique to each, each night and it's still um, us playing as much as possible and it feels like it just feels like you're actually there rather than listening to the, to the record and slightly amended like other, other live shows. 
um, yeah. that people are doing. But yeah, I think I think when we can get out there, um, it's gonna be great. Yeah, we're good. Like it's been the, over um, the pandemic, we've been working on the the setup. I mean, not so much. I mean, actually, yeah, doing our live show, but also just kind of how we make our individual kind of rigs work, um, which has been really helpful. I think like having time because it just takes forever to you got it constantly changing out keyboards or, or you know effects or whatever you're using. So it's feeling really good now. It's going to be awesome because it's it's taken this long to get there, but but now, but now I feel good that it's going to be it's going to be really cool when the time comes. You know. I feel like a lot of big um, electronic shows kind of have, as you said, it's a, it's a big production, but they're very structured in the way that they work. With both of you having a background in jazz, do you think that there'll be an element of improvisation in the show or do you think that it will be kind of more structured? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a fine line. Like I'd like it to feel like it's structured in the sense that, you know, it's a 45-whatever-hour show um, where all these, you know, you're hitting all these certain marks but there's, there's room in the set to kind of stretch and, and kind of take it in different directions um, and, yeah, be improvised enough to, like, keep ourselves entertained and to be, like, a bit wild and unpredictable. Um, but, you know, in, within some kind of parameters we can keep in check. Yeah, um, I think, yeah, like, they, obviously we want the, some improvised element in there. I mean, definitely, but not so much like, oh, let's, let's stretch out and do, like, a, a wailing solo or something but more so like a um you know I, I like the idea of and the way i've set up oh both of us have but set up a library is like oh i'm gonna play this gear tonight this would be fun to use this for this gig like it's not it's not the same setup every time it's kind of like we can mess around with it depending on how we're feeling and um and yeah like both said have have some kind of open sections and have some like kind of um stuff that can kind of go go anywhere you know of course. Um, Casey, you're quite well known in the jazz music scene over in the US and the UK. Um, how do you find those two jazz scenes compared to the one that we have here in Australia? Um, I guess, like, there's a lot of, they're just, the main thing, I guess, is that they're, um, they're just a lot bigger in those places than there are here. So you just, um, you know, I was in London for a couple of years and heaps of awesome, like the jazz scene is really good and really big and heaps of great musicians. Um, and it's just, it was fascinating to me when I was there because like most jazz musicians there, or maybe not, yeah, probably most, they're literally like jazz musicians. They just play jazz gigs and that's, that's kind of their life, which seems like an obvious thing, but that was like mind blowing for me. Cause you know, here that doesn't really happen maybe for like, you know, five people in the country or something. But, um, but most jazz musicians here have a, have a lot of a, a big array of stuff they do just because of the nature of the scene. Um, and I think that would be the main difference, really. Like, you're a bit more um, kind of across everything here. Um, but the standard, I would say, is still, is still great here. Um, so it's, it is that, that that part of it is quite nice because I, I realise being there, like, I, love, I love playing jazz and, I, like, my own area that I occupy is, is um, of the jazz world I, I love doing. But, um, you know, if it was like if I was just going to do like straight ahead gigs all the time or something like traditional stuff, I would kind of tire of that, I think. And, you know, if people, there are people in, in the States and in, in England where that's, that's the thing. It's like, you know, swinging standards six nights a week. And it's like, that'd be, that's cool. But like, that's, you know, I'm kind of glad that I have a, a bit more of a cross section of music I'm involved with um, living here, you know? Of course, I um I imagine it's a little 
a little bit, uh, for, for lack of a better term, less rigid. Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. But by out of necessity, I think, more than anything, just because there's, there's not as much happening here, you know. Now, Bo, you've worked with quite an array of musicians yourself. With This Week in the Universe, I imagine you've got more time you can put into this project and, and focus on. But I know that you've worked with artists like Lily Allen and, and Daniel Johns. What's the experience like when you've got limited time with these people and you've got to quickly learn their songs and learn how they work compared to the time and care you can put into your own songs and, and projects? Yeah, um, I guess I've been doing a lot of this um, like session um, session studio stuff and live work with um, artists like yeah, like Daniel and um, over the years. So when I first started out doing that stuff, I was very stressed, and you got to you got to keep you know all the whole industry by default is super last minute. It's the way the record labels work. So you're getting called like night before the morning of sometimes with like here's a bunch of songs. I did a gig once with with one artist years back. Um, who sent me like 18 songs the night before and I get to the, the show the next day, it was like a seven camera shoot with a, like a 250 people audience. And I was just like, Oh my God, what have I got myself into it? And that kind of like level of anxiety, I feel like going through some of those really horrific moments, like growing up in that, in that kind of thing when I first started out have prepared me um, a lot better. <laughs> so when I work with Daniel, Daniel was a bit of a luxury because he, he rehearsed for four weeks. It was it was kind of ideally how you'd run any kind of um, big touring pre-production. He was only doing two shows. They were pretty epic shows at the Opera House um, in Sydney, but we did four weeks of production, which was amazing. So we had the full the full staging, full everything, full gear, full text, full crew in rehearsals for a month. So that was that was great. Um, but that's obviously uh, an ideal situation that only people like Daniel who has the uh, that kind of contacts can pull off. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine there are some luxuries afforded to him. Bo, <laughs> uh, you're also the music director for Rule. Yes. For those listening to this podcast that don't know what a music director does, can you help explain that role and, and what you do? Yeah. Yeah, so a, re- a music director um, is, I guess, responsible for a lot of stuff which is behind the scenes, the audience kind of, uh, comes to the show and from everything from like putting the set together, arrange, arrangements of the songs, uh, the musicians, rehearsing the band, um, rehearsing the artists, getting the artists like, comfortable, getting them kind of um, as comfortable as they are on stage as possible, um, writing all of you know, the track, conducting the band or, con- or running the band, cueing the band on stage. Um, I guess the musical liaison point, for everything essentially before the artist. So um, if you want to do a new arrangement, I'll put it together. I'll, I'll, I'll chat with Rule. We'll, we'll kind of get something happening. I'll I'll kind of put it, I'll structure it, put it together. I'll get it to the band. We'll rehearse it. I'll run that kind of thing. And when you get to a live show, everything from like cues that I'll set up, they'll have to be kind of relayed to like the lighting guys or the sound guys. I guess it's just the, everything that's the show um, kind of mechanics. Um, from a musical point of view, that's not the actual, you know, front end singing or the, or the songwriting. Yeah, of course. Uh, are you guys happy to talk about your playlist? Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Now you're actually the first, um, duo that we've all, two guests that we've had on. I'm curious how uh, the playlist kind of 
decision making went about? Was it that you guys were allocated a number of songs each, or uh, did it together? Yeah, we had a we have a playlist um, on our Spotify of just tunes we're kind of vibing off um, at any any given time, and we we got a few off there, like maybe like three or four, five off there um, that we both kind of picked the representative of what we like listening to at the moment or we're kind of inspired with what we're writing to other stuff. You kind of came to me like, Oh, how this tackle this track? And I'm like, yeah, I would never have thought of that track, but I love it. And yeah, like we try to put it together. Like, I mean, the, the ones I came up with, I was trying to choose stuff that I, I really love and have had a big um, impression on me, but was somewhat relevant to this project as well. And I know that Bo has checked it out too, you know? Mm. So, um, yeah, it was it was it was definitely like we talked about wanting to put together rather than be like, "Here's my ones, they're your ones, yeah. you do with them, I'll do with this." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, I like that. <laughs> um, now I know I'm going to take a guess at this track and say that this might have been Bo, only because I think them. Uh, are you in your studio at the moment, Bo? Today? Yeah, yeah, we are. We are. It, I'm going to guess that the Prince track was your. Pick. I think there's a poster to your left or to your right on the wall. Yeah, there's a Prince track. Oh, Prince yeah, Prince yeah. Somewhere. over here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The yeah, Prince yeah. track. The Prince track was my was my was my choice. I um I love Prince. I love Prince. and Prince is hard because you know when people say like Prince, it's kind of like he's got 39 records, you know, plus every every bootleg and live record out there. So there's so many eras of Prince, which is so great, but also so different. Um, I chose this track, Baltimore. Uh, of Hit and Run Phase 2, which is his final album that he put out before he died. It was his, I think it was his 39th album. I think it was. Yeah, it was. And, um, and yeah, it's just a, it's such an epic album. And it just, it, I saw this tour um, in February, the month the year he died. I think it was, I can't remember what it was. 2017? 2017. It was a, just oh, 16, 2016. 2016. Just him and a piano and a microphone. It was piano and microphone tour. And it was, it was insane. And I just thought, this guy is like, Everything he's done from the moment he got signed is quite groundbreaking, whether you like it or not, sonically and the musical choices he makes. And this is just such an epic record. He plays everything on the record like he was doing on his first record, except uh, except the horn section. And uh, and yeah, it's just, it's just hard. I think he's kind of as a musician, he's he's hard to beat as someone who is so consistent and inspiring through the whole career. And he does like uh, Bo introduced me to that record maybe like a year ago or something because I heard obviously was a Prince fan too, but I didn't hadn't checked out the more recent stuff. But it's awesome, it's so good, and it's just um, like does stuff that's so like Prince ish, but still seem really fresh, like still big kind of production choices and arrangement choices and forms, heaps of weird forms which I'm into. Um, <laughs> so I just um, yeah, I, I think. It's just, yeah, awesome, awesome track, awesome record. Yeah. Definitely. I think um, when it comes to Prince, a lot of people look back at all the classics, but some of those more recent uh, ones, even I think, is it uh, Third Eye Third Eye Girl or so? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the like, little yeah. trio we had before. Yeah, that was wild. That was a great album too. Another track that you guys picked was Justice, which when listening to the band, there is a, a bit of a Justice vibe, especially in distance around that breakdown kind of near the end, near the three minute mark. Yeah, yeah. Were they yeah. an early um, inspiration for you guys? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's funny you say that. That's, that's good. Cause that's what we were kind of going for in that breakdown. We, we, <laughs> we wanted to like, I think justice for me when I, I didn't really discover them until um, a year, a year or two ago. Um, and yeah, I wanted that relentless, um, relentless kind of just onslaught, um, 
and also that rhythmic, that really kind of harsh rhythmic element, like a lot of those kind of French indie electric people were doing, like Daft Punk and, and um, Justice were doing, but like really kind of like bold, like really straight up just backbeats and and like yeah, it's really driving, but not driving. not dumb as well. You know, yeah, yeah, really musical as well. Yeah. And Justice for a good example of like yeah. something that's <laughs> something that's like really interesting all the way through, even though it is essentially like you know like a house or a dance track or whatever you want to call it. The uh, the track that we that I was actually listening to this morning um, just uh, to refresh before this podcast um, was a funny one because Mute Math. Um, I don't even know how we just we came across Mute Math. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So, like, it would have been around that year though when that record came out. Yeah, this is their first record. Um, this track called "Typical," um, and I think I think they're like a fully they're like fully independent at that stage. They're this rock band from New Orleans. I'm not sure if you're aware of them. Yeah, um, I was. I was going to. Sorry, that was the only thing I was actually going to ask. Was out of the whole list, you've got like Flying Lotus, James Blake, and then this one just kind of stood out as like one is not like the others in terms of um, yeah. I guess, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. kind of band. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, they became like quite uh, popular on Triple J a few years after with their like third or fourth record. But this is their first album, and um, I don't know. Yeah, I just when I heard, it, I'm like, this is like such a, this is such an awesome rock band in terms of um, how they place everything. Like they're really clear clear roles for every member of the band. The drum, particularly, um, same thing. Like really left of center choices and very um, very busy, but not getting in the way of the vocal. And the singer, I, I just love his voice. It sounds like Sting to me, which I'm a big, I'm a big 80s Sting fan as well. Um, but he kind of has that soaring, like anthemic vocal that can just like, can get across like a, a busy a rhythm arrangement and feel powerful and epic, which I think is like a, you know, throwback to all those like 70s rock bands where you had drummers like John Bonham and stuff like that, where, you, where the singer could like still overpower them um, for me. And the whole record's great. Yeah. There's one as well, sorry, I was just looking at this list now that we've got it up, that maybe you might not be aware of. That I've only I only discovered him a few months ago, but this guy Cusser overall his name is he's like this um he's like a producer and also like a drummer rapper from I think he's from Seattle, but he lives in um New York. But he's like he's a super interesting dude, um, like a jazz guy and plays like a lot of drums for like kind of avant garde jazz. But he's made these like these records the last few years that are um, kind of like, I don't think he's consciously going for this necessarily, but kind of like a really interesting and good way of doing like a hip hop thing with, with, um, with the jazz elements in a way that's not, um, kind of contrived, you know, it's, it's just, it's really worth checking out. I think it's great. Like, like, not like sampling, you mean? Well, not, no, it's, I mean, it's, it feels like a sample, but I know that he plays it live or gets people to play it, but it's more that it's not, um, it's not like, oh, here's my, like, whatever, Dilla-sounding groove with, with some chopping out over the top. Like, it's it's a lot more um, kind of considered and, like, unique kind of take on it. It's hard to describe, but it's I, th- I think it's really cool. And, you know, he chops up all these drums. He'll, he'll use, like, great um, instrumentalists and kind of chop up what they're doing, with, and, but it still feels like you're not losing the integrity of what, what the musician did originally. Just really cool. I think that's um, a good one. That's something that really kind of hit me when I when I discovered that like a year ago or so. That's awesome. That's kind of why we um want well, why we get I guess to make a playlist only because uh, there is like Stevie Wonder and Justice who people have heard of, but it's always nice to kind of get these um uh, tracks that people have maybe haven't heard of or, or wouldn't have heard of in another um situation. So it's um yeah yeah totally. yeah yeah. 
Um, Bo and Casey, thank you very much for, for joining us on the show today and for the players. I really do appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Harris. No yeah, really thank you, Harris. Yeah, it's fun. And once again, that's our show. We want to say a massive thank you to Bo and Casey from This Week in the Universe for their time this week. Their most recent singles, Light Years, featuring Golds, and Distance, are out now on all streaming platforms. As mentioned in the episode, they'll have a new EP out early next year, so keep an eye out for that. We've included a link to their website and socials in the show notes, so you can't miss it. We also want to give a quick shout out to Charlotte and Liv from Thinking Loud for connecting us with the band. If you want to have a listen to some of the boys' picks, you can find a link to our Spotify in the show notes. While you're there, you'll find a link to our socials as well. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please go ahead and subscribe wherever you get your pods and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We'll see you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.